Make some noise. Here to make some noise. All right. Whew. Some undignified praise. All right. Uh, let's see you rocking out, Reverend Kristen. All right. Oh, not yet? Not yet. That was just this much. That much. Some undignified praise. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, we got a story in the Bible today that's about some undignified praise, and we're going to dig into it. It's interesting what sometimes we find scandalous in this world. The sermon titles, Are You Scandalized? And some people are scandalized by the Bible. You know? They're scandalized that gay people read the Bible. You know? Some people just live their lives scandalized all the time. You know, just about anything. I remember 1975 when hip huggers were in style. Remember those? Midriffs, you know, and then hip huggers, you know? I remember a friend of mine, Amy, came running down the middle of the church. She had that long Marsha Brady hair all the way down in her hip huggers, her earth shoes, and her midriff. And I remember the people in the front pews of the church going, scandal. <laughs> Scandalized by this young woman showing her midsection as she came in to church together. Uh, my mom and I used to get our dose of scandal every weekday because I would go home from college in time to be home for General Hospital. I don't know if y'all remember any of that late 70s General Hospital. See that hair? My goodness. I tried some hair like that. It just laid flat. You know, didn't, didn't do much anything, so it's been short my whole life. But what we, we would talk so much about these stories on General Hospital. My dad would come in, and he would hear us talking about these stories, and he'd say, what, who died? You know, TV show, Dad, TV show. But scandalized by the stuff people would do. And then they would do more, and then they would do more. And you go, oh, my goodness, what can they do next? And they would figure out something. We got a modern version of that these days called Scandal. I don't know how many of you watch that. You know this one? She's been causing some trouble. Her job is supposed to be able to manage trouble, right? Well, she's managing and causing at the same time. I have friends on Facebook that they think they know everything going on in this show. You know, they're texting, this, I knew that was going to happen. You know, what's next? And they're watching, and it, I think it's about to start up again, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, oh, what was that? <laughs> he knows when it is. Oh, goodness. But these scandalous things, we like we're, our, our curiosity, our interest is piqued, you know, by things that are so scandalous. We can't believe they did that. You know, just can't believe that they did that. Well, I'll tell you, I'd like to be scandalized about some more important things. And you might want to be scandalized by those things, too. This week, one of our queer brothers was honored decades later. Bayard Rustin was honored for his work in the Civil Rights Movement. Now, some of you are scandalized because I said queer, but it's okay. Stay with me. Okay? Stay with me. It's okay. But here we have history. One of the architects of some of the major events of the Civil Rights Movement. Finally, finally, and I think that's a scandal at this point in time, that his gay self, his queer self, is honored and recognized for the work he did. Bayard Rustin this week. Can we be scandalized for the right things, for those deeper things, not just for entertainment? And does it call us into doing something about it? So we're into Ruth today, and Ruth is all about scandal. All about scandal. And there's just so much we could talk about Ruth, there's just not time. 
You know, it can be weekends worth of material to talk about in Ruth. And we'll try to do just a piece of it, but you know, we could talk about the language in Ruth, the Hebrew language, and we could do this academic kind of thing, and, and we could wonder about the title of Ruth. Uh, it's, a, it's a play on words. It's Reut, Ruth, Reut, which means woman friend. But that's not all it means. It means woman friend who satisfies. Reut, Ruth, this is what it means. Woman friend, y'all not some women friends like that? I see some women looking like they have some women friends like that. Yeah, in this church, you know? We could do those, those kind of academic things. Look at the language and the words. And, and uh, in the, just before the vows that Reverend Kristen so uh, wonderfully quoted for us that are used in all these weddings, just before those vows, there's this wonderful word called debak. That's in Ruth, D-A-B-A-Q, debak. And it means to cleave, to cling, debak. And so Ruth just isn't hanging on to Naomi. Ruth is clinging and cleaving to Naomi, debak. And there's only one other time in scripture that this word is used. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. For this reason, a man will leave his house and cleave to his wife. Debak. I don't know about you, but I find it very meaningful that in the scripture, the only other time the word to cleave and cling, debak, to make those vows, those promises, to find a family of choice is right here between Ruth and Naomi. There is some debaking going on. <laughs> you know? Amazing. For this reason, you will cleave, you will cling, you will choose your family, you will make your home. So we could spend a day talking about the language in the book of Ruth and what they're trying to say in and throughout all of this because it is a book of protest. In the Enter the Story series and in our Bible, they would have have us talk about this book between Judges and Samuel. And they'd have us talk about it then because that is when Ruth would have lived in that point in time because she was King David's great-great-grandma. And so when we got into Samuel, we got into King David, and so they would have Ruth right there in the story. But that is not when the book or the story was put down. It was put down when they were coming back from exile. So when they were coming back from exile, this story became important to become scripture, to get put down in this book form and to be told. And it was scandalous for multiple reasons. Not just because the title was A Satisfied Woman, right? Not just because there was some debacle going on, but it was scandalous for many, many reasons. Well, if we had time, we could spend time talking about that. But we don't have that much time. We could also talk about, well, what does it mean that those vows that people have loved to use forever in Scripture were done between people of mutual power? Not one person given to another person or sold to another person or turned over to another person, but that these vows were between one of the rare examples we have in Scripture of two people of equal power. And we could talk about what that means in our families as, as LGBT people. What does it mean to have mutual power in our relationships? What does it mean to share love with one another in ways that are upbuilding, uplifting, where we know that Christ is the center of our lives and the center of our families? We could spend a weekend on that. Or in our relationships, we could spend a lifetime. What does it mean to dance with who we are with one another and let God fill up those spaces? And Ruth and Naomi, there's only one other example that I know of in Scripture where such mutual power existed. 
You know when that was? Who was that? Jonathan and David. Mutual power. One, not owning the other, but making covenant and promises with another person. Don't we know what it's like to struggle in our families and our relationships? How to be ourselves, how to be whole, and how to do that in ways that count for us. So we could spend a couple of weekends on that. We could spend a lot of time on that. Or, or we might want to take a social justice aspect of the book of Ruth. And we might want to look at the pieces where, what does it mean that these two women have nothing when their husbands die? What kind of safety net is that? What does it mean that they have nothing when their husbands die? And they're going back home and they figure out a way to survive. Ruth's about to get undignified, right? It's in the plan. Have you gotten undignified for your family before? Have you gotten undignified for your faith before? You know, have we been undignified for Jesus at some moment or time in our life? So you might be insulted or astonished or scandalized by what does it mean that they have nothing? You know, and they are at the mercy of people harvesting the fields to leave some stuff behind, because that was the social security net at that point in time to leave some of that wheat behind so that they would have something to eat. So they went behind them and picked that up. So we could spend another day or two on what does it mean to have a safety net? What does it mean to make sure those who are the most marginalized have enough? And what does it mean that we value everybody enough to make sure that that happens? We could spend time on this, a lot of time, but we don't have time for that today. That would be a lot of time. We could also spend some time what it means oh my what does it mean in the hebrew language to not say what you mean but say something else instead of what you really mean what <laughs> this is why they were giggling when the scripture was being read <laughs> you know in the bible they were just trying to say some things without really saying them because it wasn't appropriate to say it it was too scandalous to say it and so in this story, what we have, we ended with that woman at the feet. Did y'all remember that part? Those aren't feet. The Hebrew idiom for feet was junk. <laughs> Genitalia. They couldn't say that out loud. It wasn't appropriate to say it out loud. And so what they did was they had an idiom, and that idiom was feet. So now you need to read the whole Bible again and look every time it says feet. <laughs> There's a wonderful story about Moses, and it's about this kind of feet, not those kind of feet. You know, so what does it mean that um, it was so, so scandalous that they couldn't even name the right things, that those feet? And so here, Ruth is about to get undignified. You can laugh about it. It's good. Yeah. In the first service, Wayne fell apart reading it. <laughs> he, he fell apart reading it, and I said, yeah, there's a woman down there at my feet. You know. But... This here is in the Bible. You might be scandalized by that, by the fact that the Bible is being as clear about what's happening. You know, it is harvest time, and so in harvest time, uh, that's where people are given more license when you do that. You eat and you drink and you be merry, and then what happens, happens. It's come to us in our modern day is Halloween. You all recognize some of that? Have you been undignified sometimes on Halloween? Have you, have you been scandalized by some of your friends and loved ones on Halloween. I remember one, I said, put a little bit more on. I don't want to see those feet. 
you know, scandalized by what these things are and what they're doing. We might even want to be scandalized like Ezra and Nehemiah, but I hope we're not. You know, they're scandalized that Ruth is a Moabite. She's not the right tribe. She's not the right race. And so when Ruth tells this, when they tell this story of Ruth, you've got the people we heard about last week, Ezra and Nehemiah, who were saying what it meant to be pure. And what it meant to be pure was to throw away your families that you've had for 70 years while we were in exile because you've intermarried. Throw them away. They're not pure. Get rid of those kids and grandkids. Get rid of those wives. Push them out. And so Ruth is a book of protest about that, a book of protest of what it means to kick family out. We know what it's like to be kicked out, to have families out of purity think they need to change the structure of the family so much. We know what it means. Ruth cries out, no, you may be scandalized by Ruth's action, but I'd like to be more scandalized. What does it mean for people to throw out good people, their own children, their own grandkids, because of some idea of what pure means? Oh my goodness. Is that enough to be scandalized about today? Well, as we go on into Ruth, she makes it more clear. This is not a story for the weak-hearted. This is a story for people who are going to change the world. They're going to make some noise. They're going to claim what's theirs. And they're going to help those who are causing the harm recognize they're not living their own values. So as the story unfolds, the story goes through, and Naomi and Ruth see that Boaz, Boaz follows the laws of hospitality, the deepest law in the Hebrew scripture, the laws of hospitality. Boaz follows those laws. And as he follows those laws, they notice that there are other laws that he has to follow too. And part of that is taking care of your whole family. And so they find a way to make sure he sees those laws of hospitality and he acts appropriately to doing that. Man, getting undignified. Put that oil in your hair. Put on your prettiest dress. Go down on the threshing floor. You might want to call it the thrashing floor. You know, because it's Halloween after all. Get all dressed up and go on down there and get yourself on that man's feet. You know, get yourself a little bit undignified. Would you get undignified for your family? They had a place. Would you get undignified because God asks you to? Undignified in many ways means we have to give up a right, our right or our sense of what it means to be insulted. I don't know how many of you get insulted on a regular basis, but God's asking you to let go of that. Let go of that. I'm interested in undignified praise. People like Ruth are stepping out there and making sure things are going as they need to go. So Ruth does it, and she conquers Boaz. She conquers Boaz, and her family is safe. Now, all of these ways of listening to the story, I want you to imagine you're on the outside of a town and there's a campfire, and as you approach the campfire, you look around to see who's there, and at the campfire, there's all these women and children, and they've just been kicked out of their homes. There's no place for them in the city. Ezra and Nehemiah have been doing some fast talking, and these 
Jewish men have kicked these folks out of their home because they weren't pure enough. So they're at that campfire and they're talking and they're telling the story about how wrong this is. And they're trying to help the people remember that law of hospitality that undergirds all of God's love. And as they tell the story, they say, I remember Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite. King David's great-great-grandmother, let's tell the story of Ruth. And they tell the story in such a way that it insults everybody. Those who want a pure race, those who only want the highest class, those who want women subdued, those who want it the way it always has been, it insults everybody. But God's asking us to be undignified instead of insulted. And so Ruth does this story, and the final insult comes at the end of it. So Ruth and Naomi, they conquer Boaz. Ruth becomes pregnant, and Ruth gives birth to a child. And at the end of the story, I invite you to read all of Ruth and read this last paragraph. At the end of the story, the women pick up the baby, lift it up, give a prayer of blessing to God. They take the baby from Ruth's arms and they recognize that family of choice. They walk the baby right over to Naomi and they put the baby in Naomi's arms and says, Naomi has a child. And then's the insult. Ruth is so faithful. Ruth is great. Ruth is more valuable than seven of your pure blood boys. Ezra and Nehemiah fainted. Ruth, the Moabite, the faithful one, the one who loved Naomi, the one who gave Naomi a child. Ruth, the Moabite, is more faithful than seven of your pure-blood Jewish boys. This is a book of protest. This is a book of the people on the outskirts who've been harmed, crying out and saying, take action, conquer, take back that which was taken from you. It is God's law of hospitality underneath it that we should be paying attention to. Man, getting undignified for God. We're called to do that. Once upon a time, I was in North Carolina helping manage a convention, and I was in the back uh, outside. The Ku Klux Klan is protesting us because there are queer Christians inside, and that's just scandalous. No, can't have that. So the Klan's protesting outside. Hurricane Katrina is happening here in that moment in time. And so we take up a big offering for Hurricane Katrina out of the generosity of the folks gathered there, 550 LGBT and ally Christians. And we take up that offering, get it set, and then they, they realize we haven't taken up an offering for us. So it's time to take another offering. And they're in the backstage and they said, we didn't plan for two offerings. We only planned for one offering, you know? And so Randy, a friend of mine, looks at me and says, get out there. And I said, I'm about to be undignified. <laughs> get out there. Get out there and talk about money and say, we forgot to take an offering for the programs, for the ministries. Get out there. And I said, oh, my but he's pretty strong and he does this kind of push thing really well. So I'm in the middle of the stage getting undignified for Jesus. Talking to him about the great things that are happening, where we're going to go. We're going to go where we've never gone before. And, and, and speaking this uh, without having planned it and thinking, oh, God, do something with it. Do something with it. Because it is not rehearsed. And as I do that, all of a sudden the 
uh, music person, Mark Miller, is over on the organ. He starts playing underneath me. You know how they try to support the pastor? You know, support the pastor with that music, particularly when you're talking about money. Try to support the pastor. <laughs> putting that music down underneath it. And as he's putting it down, from his culture, that is supportive and wonderful and great. From my culture, it's the Academy Awards. When you play music, you sit down and shut up. <laughs> you know, so here I am being undignified, and it must have looked really undignified. I went, oh, ran over, sat down. But we took the offering, and we received money for the ministries, and it was okay to do that risk for God and to do something I hadn't planned on doing. Now, I know some of you are scandalized every time we talk about money around here, right? But I just need you to know that we still need your love and support of your time, your talent, your treasure, all of it. God asks you to be undignified, you know, to have that baptized wallet, to have your time, and to have your energy and prayer turned over, turned over so that God can use you fully. We're still accepting commitment cards, and I want you to know you have a chance to put them in the offering plate. You also have a chance to mail them in. Be undignified for this place. Now, if you think that's scandalous, I'll tell you something really scandalous. Jesus emptied himself to be us. Saw no reason to stay in that powerful place, but to undignify so that we would get it. Jesus poured ministry, life, self. God pours God's self out on a cross. Undignified praise because God wants us to get it. Can we let go of the insult? God did. Can we be undignified for Jesus and make some noise? Amen. <laughs>